What's shaking, cats and kittens? Rob Lee here with a special message from this month's presenting sponsor. So I got a question. What was the first Black-owned business in America to offer publicly traded stock? Hmm, stumped? Here's a hint. You definitely want to see how the sausage gets made on this one. Learn about it in our food gallery at the Baltimore Museum of Industry. Details at thebmi.org. Also, use the code TRUTH50, that is TRUTH50, and you'll get 50% off of admission at the front desk or use it when you're purchasing tickets online. So again, visit thebmi.org. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Today, I have the privilege of chatting with an artist and educator specializing in interdisciplinary collaboration, curriculum design, inquiry, and STEAM education. That's science, technology, engineering, the arts, and mathematics. Her experience includes a stint as an education coordinator for school programs at the Walters Art Gallery here in Baltimore. She is a National Geographic Certified Educator 2021 Grosnor uh, Teacher Fellow. Please welcome Susan Dorsey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate the invite. Oh, you're, you're welcome. That is the longest introduction I've done, but you've done a lot. So uh, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> you did a great job with that. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, at one point, the shorter ones, I tried to add extra seasoning to it. I tried to do like the boxer style intro. It doesn't work. It fails horribly every time. Um so, so thank you for for popping onto this podcast and agreeing to do it. And um, I want to start off by um, really having you break down, like, really your vital stats. What's your what's your background? Um, like I said, what's the appropriate copy and paste sort of thing? Literally, copy and paste. Uh, but what's your background? Describe your work. Give us the the rundown. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am. First off, I always like to say I'm an artist, um, artist, educator. I have a background. I have an, a degree in arts and a degree in science. Um, so I think my um, kind of art was the gateway for me um, into the scientific world and really with the natural world. I'm, I think as my artistic sensibilities are very captivated by the natural world, it kind of captivates my imagination. I think the constant overlapping, iteration, uh, layering of systems. Um, there's something that captures my attention with that. So I work a lot in paper collage, mm -hmm. watercolor and painting. Um, I like to share nature's stories as blueprints um, for positive futures and collective growth. I think there's just so much to learn um, from the systems in nature that, that give us metaphors for, for living better lives and cultivating communities of care. Um, so yeah, my art practice is a way to meditate on those systems and apply those lessons, even to my teaching and community arts practice as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a nutshell of what draws my interests. So speak more on a, speak more on a science part, if you will, because yeah. I, I feel as I feel, realize that I may have missed that in my research. So speak more <laughs> on a science part. Yeah. So I. Yeah, so I got I did my undergrad in in art, and then it was much later in life um, where I did a master's in biology. Just in 2019, I finished up that master's. Um, but it's it was it was quite the journey. I think for me, 
um, I was always like painting and drawing outside and making observations. And so like as a young kid. And so when I got into science courses, like in middle school and high school, I thought, oh, I'll have this natural aptitude for it because I'm always outside making observations, um, but found it very challenging to engage mm. in science courses as a student with rote memorization and desk work. It just it just was difficult. So they just became like courses I had to get through in order to graduate. Um, and so later as an adult, um, I found myself teaching in two day jobs where I was teaching art and science. Um, and it was as I was teaching and learning about them that I realized, oh, the creative process and the scientific method are are pretty much the same thing. You're, you're examining, you're questioning, you're critic, you're you're experimenting. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I think just a light bulb um, went off for me at that moment. Um, and once I could recognize um, creativity as my framework for learning about the world, um, it was kind of that gateway into the scientific field. So I went on to get a master's degree in science and then bridging those gaps for students and providing multiple pathways for them to engage with the subject has kind of been um, a passion of mine uh, through that experience. So yeah, kind of a nutshell. <laughs> we, we, we like those realizations and bringing those uh, connections together. And truly there, there's been more, and it, I think this is one of the questions I have a little bit later, but I guess I guess I'll ask it now, actually. Yeah. Uh, so while you, while for a while the focus of education has been in like STEAM, right? But in recent years, I've heard more and more talk to include the arts and focus. The focus has shifted towards uh, so from STEM to STEAM rather, um, and we're seeing like how curriculums are being planned and you know what do you see is like having you know, that background in arts and that appreciation of arts and how that's been been beneficial, like an arts education has been beneficial to like learning and making those connections. Right. Yeah. Those are, that's, those are good questions. Yeah. I think there's definitely um, a wider and a deeper recognition within education practice um, that the arts can provide multiple access points for, for different subjects to many students um, with different learning styles. And I, I'm seeing that more within like scientific fields too, that they are really um, embracing the opportunity to incorporate arts um, within their practices. Um, there, and I think like just in general, I think creativity um, and the skill of cultivate, cultivating your imagination is just a crucial skill in any profession. It just gives you the ability to innovate um, and to, um, I think, just imagine things differently, which is mm. difficult to do if you haven't cultivated that skill um, of, of imagining. Um, so I think what are the benefits that arts education brings? I think so many. I've been so lucky to have, have experienced them, and I, I really hope to leave that um, for the students of today and tomorrow. Um, but yeah, like I said before, it cultivates imagination and innovation like within that. I think it helps you to dream beyond what appears possible. Sure. Um, it's also a practice of hope and spiritual well-being, which I think is just so important to any human being. And a practice of, of culture. I think when you're engaging in art, you're practicing your culture. Um, and, you know, that process of questioning, analyzing, experimenting, and, and that in itself, I think, provides a process for 
lifelong learning. It teaches you how to be a lifelong learner. Um, and I also, and I can go, I can go on and on. Stop me if I. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. And and I, I'll I'll add this to it where, uh, like, I was one of those um, people that did the art stuff. I was into drawing comics, all of that. And then I kind of like left it for a while, just, you know, confidence got crushed or what have you and started uh, kind of working in more data analytics. And it's just like, oh, and now I'm back to doing the art thing and my day job is still in data analytics. So I'm seeing it from those vantage points. And I think having that uh, starting off with the foundation being more arts focused um, gave me this kind of insight to be a creative problem solver and uh, thinking outside of the box. And in addition to that, I I think the notion of having and, and I'm not educator, obviously, but having this, well, maybe some might call me that, but uh, having this this notion of, you know, excluding arts, that's like taking out humanity, that's taking out all of the bridging kind of things. And I, I remember when I was an undergrad, <laughs> I spent a lot of times in the humanities building and I was like where all of the, like, yeah, you got data points. Yeah, you had these solid, you know, immutable things, but really it's like, Where's the spice? Where is like how are these stories being told? And that's left out of the conversation. Who's interpreting? Who's doing the storytelling? Interpreting this data? Yeah, that's so important. Yeah, it's it's, it's a means for for storytelling, and it's a voice. It's it's our voice. Yeah, which it's really good. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. Yeah, totally. Uh, so now now I can go back in order because you know. <laughs> uh, so can you can you share with me or share with us rather uh, your first art making experience and you know was there a point when you realized like nah like like early on I would imagine uh, that you like I have this creative talent I can I got something here I mean let me work on this. <laughs> That's a great question. I um, it's hard to remember the first experience. I think I was very lucky in that I had parents who like really cultivated that creativity within me. So I think at a very young age, I always had like crayons and like paper around me. Um, so I can't remember the first experience with it, but I do remember like as a young student, always like, um, tracing, uh, characters from children's books, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, as a way that I taught myself how to draw. And then after doing that for a while, I got, I built up the confidence to start doing more freehand character drawing. Um, and then, um, I kind of kept going with it and realized, oh, I'm spending all of my allowance, all of my free time on art materials. Not every kid is doing this. So it must be, must be something that I'm really into. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, I think it was, we also had, um, I also grew up around a lot of, uh, nature. So there was a lot of subject matter, I think for my art exploration there. So, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, those early experiences, uh, like, you know, as I was saying, I was uh, doing a comic and uh, I used to take the old wizard uh, magazines, uh, the oh, old nice. pop culture magazines. I was like, let me see if I can draw this. And <laughs> okay. I, I would try to do that. Or I, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but the like those infomercials to say, hey, take this drawing test. If you can draw this dog and mail it oh, back nice. to us, we'd grade it. And I still have it, by the way. And it's like, you got a 95. Wow. I was like, how did you wow. how did you measure that? I was like, this That's dog. That's a good question. What is this criteria? Like, this is not photo real. This dog is like, <laughs> this is literally a sticker of Snoopy. Like, what is this? <laughs> That's great. So, so your, your work is combining, like, 
two things that feel that feel kind of desperate in some ways, but you've mm-hmm. seen those those overlaps, you know, the 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 science and and, and art, the science, um, and it, it's a means of storytelling. Like so, you know, that's that's true. Did you have a period where you kind of wandered and tried to find that calling in that niche? Maybe, you know, tell me about that. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's such an important question too. I feel like I'm always trying to figure that out. <laughs> I don't know that that will ever change, but I think I think that's a really interesting thing about being a creative person like in at least our American society is that our society doesn't really create spaces for us, but as creative people we're we're builders, so we build those spaces <laughs> if they don't exist for us. Um which which is which is really exciting, but can be really exhausting too, because you're maintaining while also building something new. Um, and I'm sure you can relate to that as well. You're just working all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I think I think I think artists have a really important calling, and that we're um, tasked with helping people to imagine. I think I keep talking about this word imagination, but I think it's just so important to help people to learn how to imagine beyond the structures that have kept their imagination captive to help us to like see, because you can't like build something unless you can see it. You can't believe in something unless you can imagine it. And I think the arts give us a place to imagine and really work towards futures that we haven't seen, but that we need, <laughs> um, which can, which is also, I think, really hard because I think also is art is a critical lens for society to examine itself. Mm-hmm. And that can be a difficult place um, for an artist to be as well, but also a very critical and important place. Um, so again, I think going back to like those lessons of nature, that constant, like evolution, overlapping deconstruction, reconstruction that we see in nature all the time. I think that applies to like the niche and the calling of an artist, like to be pushing society like beyond its perceived limits to imagine something different. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it, no, it, it it does. And, you know, as you were, you were saying that, it, it, a thought hit me and, and this is going to be freshly formed. I don't even know if it's safe. You know how sometimes you have, when you're taking meat out of the oven and you have to let it set. <laughs> so the juices, this, it's not set. I'm cutting into it immediately. <laughs> so I, I have this like. I have this theory, like when it comes to like great advances um, and let's say technological advances, hey, we're kind of just copying to a degree mm-hmm. things that were advances and we're adding maybe a new camera here if you think about a cell phone. But you start looking at like the the 50s, 70s, 80s and so on, where there were these advances and we had like really like specifically the 50s. We had really great examples of like sci-fi novels and mm, hey, we had yeah. these flying cars and things like that. And I always joke, where's my flying car? I'm waiting for it. <laughs> and I, ju- I just think that then they didn't have those parameters. So they were able to think broadly. And really, there was a convergence of science and fiction, whereas, you know, the the the, the arts part of it, right? Whereas now we have more conversations, and, and, and I may be wrong, but I think we have more conversations telling people, no, nah, you shouldn't do that. 
now you right. shouldn't think that broadly and that widely. And I think the it's, a, it's systems in place that really put a governor on that imagination, which I think limits those other areas. Like, you know, back then, I feel like there were more people discovering formulas and theorems than now. It's just like, eh, you know, this right. is this is how math is now. <laughs> and and I don't know. That's just an observation that's there. I don't know if it's completely solidified, but I think that's something to, you know, have a discourse around of how we're going about things. We have um we talk about formulas. Mm-hmm. You know, things are formulated, this is how we do things. And I think it prevents like just new thought, new ideas, new ways to do something. And there's so many things that are inexact and there are so many variables out there Mm -hmm. that we still try to have this, this is what success looks like. This Mm -hmm. is what life looks like. No, not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I think that's another really interesting thing about art as a storytelling tool is that we can and in what you're doing I think exposing a lot of artists like within this area um like putting the voices out there for people to see that there are multiplicity of answers to one question like we're not bound by like one story or one perception of an answer to a question that there's just a multiplicity of answers and um, I love that. And I love being exposed to that every time I listen to one of your podcasts. So thank you so much for what you're <laughs> doing and you're changing our collective imagination about society as well by the people you bring to us. So thank you for that, Rob. Thank you. I mean, all I heard there was um, Rob's great and, uh, <laughs> you know, full stop. No, but I, I think it's important to chronic, chronicle and to document what these things are. And even, you know, I'm thinking of even doing a series where I go back and re-interview people and see mm, like, love that. where's that answer at now? How have you grown artistically? How have you maybe regressed as an, I'm an outsider, so I can say it, but how have you maybe changed or your positions evolved on something? Mm-hmm. And that, that may be, maybe an interesting thing to kind of dive into. That's so cool. I like that. So I, I'm adding a question in here that I didn't send to you before, because I think it's interesting. Uh, and you've, I know you've heard this question before. How do you embrace your strangeness? So I, think, I think we all have some unique traits. Like somehow I've had, I've turned a trait into asking too many questions and <laughs> seeking truth. Like that's got to be more to this man into a podcast. So <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so how do you embrace that strangeness, those unique traits that are right. very you that, you know what, this goes in my work somehow. Right. Yeah. I think, oh man, that's such an important question. I think you know, honestly, some of my strange traits <laughs> or that I would label strange, I think, or that I, as growing up, I think they were labeled strange, but they're not so strange anymore. Um, I think like um, my introverted tendencies and my um, my processing, mm-hmm. you know, I think especially growing up in an extroverted society, uh, I think as an introvert, you're always, or maybe society puts it on you to kind of change the way that you do things because it's not the way that you're supposed to be doing things. But I think as I've gotten older, had more experiences, I'm more confident <laughs> in the things that make me strange um, or perceived as strange and also recognize the strengths in those things. Like there's a lot of strength to the way that introverts process information um, and the way that they share that information Um and I think so. And, and, and with that, I think with 
embracing your strangeness comes along with like making time for it too. So realizing that I just, I need to make time to rest in my introverted tendencies Mm -hmm. and also to think about them differently, to think about them as strengths and not weaknesses. So, um, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. (laughs) I, I, I mean, I've, I've heard, like I've learned in in this podcast, I've learned more things about myself or I I guess observations from people. And like one of the things that people try, people pride me on, and I I guess I've gotten good at where I can barely talk to a person, like talk to them for five minutes and then we get a good cogent conversation out of it. That's a (laughs) skill somehow. And, um, and it's more than surface level too. And if people feel like they, they, they know you and, and, and that's cool. And mm-hmm. I realized like I've been called like a type A personality. I was like, I don't know. That's, that's true. And I, was like, hey, <laughs> right. I don't know. And, but at the same time, I'm like a shy extrovert. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm like, like, man, I'm big, man. Can I just like, I'm like, I'm six, four. So it's like, I can't hide from things. Like, you know, fucking mm-hmm. just, get into this corner where no one can see me, but I can still be here. It's like my presence is here that I can absorb all of the energy, but also I need not to be seen. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 I think that's really interesting too. Like the way that people perceive you versus the way that you perceive yourself. Like sometimes there's a, there's a disconnect between the two, but it's okay to define those own labels for yourself too and recognize when you need to not be seen and seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just Batman. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I read that uh, creativity in children is um, great because mm-hmm. it hasn't been affected by critique compassion or ego like in the same way as you you get you get a new badge like every year you get older it's like, oh hey, there's some ego that you've developed there suddenly I think, Kids create to create. I think like I, I go back when I was younger, I used to go, it's not shoplifting. I'm just going to say this, but I used to go to like Macy's or JCPenney and in the little clips or the little uh, sensory devices, the anti-theft devices, I used to find a way to take those off and make oh. like my own transformers with them. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So that's what, that's what I was doing. Cause we were broken. I didn't have toys. I was like, these are my toys. Right. Um, so, and I think, you know, as adults, we get further away from mm. being able to do that. And occasionally we can reconnect to it. Do right. you agree with that? And if so, how do you tap back into that that kind of childlike creativity? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that childlike creativity is so important to maintain, but I also recognize that the structures within our society don't make it easy um, for people to maintain that into adulthood. Um which I think is like one of my passions as an educator, as an artist and an educator too. Like I hope, I hope when people encounter my artwork that it ignites a childlike creativity within them um, that inspires them to, to do something or to engage in something creative. And so I think that's one way that I go back to that childlike creativity is by engaging with, with the work of other artists. So like listening to a podcast like yours, going to a show, um, uh, even talking with a friend, artist friends about like their process, um, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and I think like recognizing that um, it's important to cultivate or carve out play within my artistic practice. So maybe I don't have like, I don't have an idea of what the end product is. And I think that I, I think that's a good place to be. 
I think what I'm doing is just discovering. (laughs) And so in that way, like, um, creating is always better when it's done out of a place of rest rather than a place of lack or fear. Um, and I think also like creating and maintaining that imagination is also out of that place of rest is also a place to grieve, to be angry, to hope. Um, so it just becomes, um, this place of rest for, for a lot of things that I just need like some sort of healing, (laughs) trying to find healing, I think like in your creative practice. And, um, I don't know if that, I think that kind of gets off of, um, your question a little bit, but I think it's just so important to kind of cultivate that imaginative and childlike creativity, um, because it gives you an, an outlet, especially, or at least what I've found as an adult, it gives you an outlet for processing difficult things. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, I mean, at the end of the day, this podcast came out of me being tight, you know, about just people taking shots at Baltimore. And I was like, I don't believe that to be true. So what do I know how to do? You know, and I could have just I could have just grabbed a microphone and say, yeah, this is Rob Lee's report on go F yourself, you know, every day or what have you. And that, don't no one's going to listen to that one, two, uh, Well, maybe. But two, uh, it, it doesn't really add anything. It doesn't lead to discourse. It doesn't lead to anything being uncovered. And again, going back to the you know, things that, that kind of interest me, my 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 quirks, my uniqueness or whatever. I like uncovering things. I like to Mm -hmm. ask those questions like, really, what is the truth? The truth is we have a lot more talented people, a lot of rich culture here, Mm -hmm. unique individuals such as yourself that are here, call this place home and that are contributing to it. So, you know, let's not let's act. Let's, you know, keep it cute. Let's act like, you know, this is real. Right. So which part of your creative process do you enjoy the most and do you enjoy the least? Mm-hmm. I I love this question. I love thinking about processes, <laughs> especially as an educator. I love thinking about learning processes, the creative process. Um, so I think for me, um, the middle of the creative practice, like it's where it's not the beginning. I've kind of already decided on my materials, like something's emerging. I don't quite know what it is yet. Um, but this is usually the point where I'm learning the most. I'm experimenting a lot. There's a lot of ideas flowing and I'm really invested in what the end product is going to look like. So I I just want to keep going. And sometimes it's hard to like get to the end of that because I like being at that stage, that middle stage so much. I think the most difficult part is the beginning, (laughs) that white page syndrome. I think it's just, there's so many things to, um, to explore that sometimes it can be overwhelming to figure out where to start. But, um, one thing that works for me is like, start with one thing. And usually that one thing is a material, start with that one material texture that you find interesting and then just see where it goes. Um, but yeah, that beginning part is always the most difficult I've found for myself. Yeah, I dig that. I, um, (laughs) I, I realize in trying to think about it in those terms of what do you like most or do you like least? Like, I, I think, yeah, getting started is, is a challenge. Like getting started with a podcast, that's kind of like it to use the sports comparison. That's like the game, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the prep is the practice and 
the the beginning of coming up with questions and doing research is like, did they send me anything? No. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm doing I'm on my own here. Right. And going through that. And I think once I at least have like that first draft of questions, then I'm like, all right, that's kind of the midpoint for me. Then I'm kind of refining and tweaking. And even as we were talking, I'm still tweaking questions because it's like, right. all right, she said something that was interesting here. Let me add this here. They might come up in rapid fire. Uh, and <laughs> it, it, it's it's a constant editing process, but it's a I look at it as a constant refining process. And mm-hmm. that's why I kind of find it interesting when when folks are like, they'll say like, um, like let's say a visual artist, yeah, you're oh you're a painter. Uh, you know, like when are you done? Oh, I'm, I'm not done. That's right. that's the way I kind of look at what I'm doing. It's like eh, it's not quite done until this recording is over. That's when it's right. done. Yeah, and you know, it might not be done then. I might have to re-record my intro or outro because mm-hmm. I may botch a letter or something or a word. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh you know it's always always trying to tweak. Mm-hmm. All right, this is the last one I have before I get to those rapid fire ones. Yeah. So if your artwork were music, what would it sound like? And what's the genre? Like you can you can even frame it as as a song if like there's a specific piece of your work that comes to mind and a specific song that you're like, you know what, this is these are the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's such an interesting question. I think um, art, since art making for me is kind of a meditative process, I think what comes to mind in terms of music, I listen to chill hop a lot during the day, just kind of any calm, meditative, like music genre genre. Um, but I think actually, like when I think about making artwork, it, it's probably like nature's music genres that are like really in my head as I'm like making something. I think like the sounds of the birds or um, the sounds of rain or the sounds of a river. Um, but actually, when I um, thank you for sending me the questions ahead of time, because I was thinking about this question and looking at my artwork and like removing myself from the art making process. And I was looking at it. And I was like, man, like there, especially in my abstract work, I was like, this looks like, I don't know, like a huge musical clash or like big energy (laughs) explosion. (laughs) And it's funny because um, that was not my experience making it, but looking at it, like it looks like um, the music genre would be very different as opposed to the one I would attach to it while I was actually making it. So it's really, yeah, really fascinating question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I think uh, even though this is an audio medium, which is really funny to make this comparison, but I I guess it's probably P-Funk. It's like, ah, yeah, it's a little... Nice. <laughs> um all right so thank you thank you for sharing everything now it's yeah, time to, thank that, you you're welcome now it's time to be afraid because uh okay you know we got rapid fire questions and they, they they're they're everywhere they're weird they're 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 random <laughs> awesome. uh so i got some for you and keep in mind try to answer these as as quickly don't 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 overthink it don't okay. process it in your head okay. like, i'll try <laughs> okay i'm gonna start off with a softball for you okay Salty or sweet? Oh, salty. Okay. Uh, with regard to Baltimore, is there a moment that you would say that sums up the spirit of this place? Oh. Like a recent moment, like let's say in the last like month or so. A recent moment. Oh my goodness. This is such a good question. And I feel like I need time to think about it. <laughs> we can come back to it. We can come back to it. No, let's come back to it. Yeah. Okay. I need to think about that one. Name a gadget that has changed your life. Um, a gadget that has changed my life. I think these um, 
blue light glasses that keep me from getting headaches from looking at the computer for so long. <laughs> nice. I'm glad you didn't say phone because everyone says phone. I'm like, oh, oh that's right. cheap. It's cheap. Uh, Should have said that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. You, you got to have a unique podcast. Uh, what is your favorite day, time of the day and why? Like, is it like, okay, I really like the morning. I can get some stuff started or I like when it's 2 a.m. and no one's up so I can be left alone. What, what is that What is that time and, and that reason for you? I think for me, I've always been kind of a night owl and that's when I actually do my making, my creating. Um, so like when everyone is supposed to be, you know, the birds are not chirping. It's dark outside. Everything's quiet and calm. That's when I like to be awake and making. So that's my favorite time. Okay. And we still have that one last one. I got this this one for you. Uh, name three things that are usually next to your bed. Let's see. A book. My um, headlamp so I can read at night. And... What else? Earplugs. <laughs> I sleep with earplugs. <laughs> that's, that's, that's legit. I, I, I remember I had, when I was, when I first started asking that question, people would say, it's like, you're going to go left with this. I was like, I'm not. I, I swear <laughs> that I'm not. Uh, or people are super hydrated. It's like two glasses of water. It's like, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Usually for me, it's probably like, some what 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 is that that uh that muscle gun thing that uh oh yes because nice. I, I lift on occasion and it's like mm-hmm. okay my shoulder feels like junk or probably my cell phone because i i sleep to music all the time or like oh, audiobooks right so yeah I, I don't i don't do the earplugs yet now it's, it's, it's an occasion where i'll travel and me and my one of my buddies will share a room and he mm-hmm. snores a lot and i'm like right no, i I I want to I want to say friends, but right, yeah. <laughs> so so let, let, now that I've stalled, let's let's uh. <laughs> what good. is what's a memory that comes to mind? I mean, what is a uh, moment that or memory that comes from mind comes to mind that sums up Baltimore for you? Yeah, I think when I think about Baltimore, I think I just think about um, a city that's full of grassroots movements and imaginative thinkers, um, a place that's moving. And I think similar to what I was talking about in terms of natural process, a place that's always evolving, reconstructing and deconstructing. Um, I think because of just the amazing thinkers and the amazing people that call Baltimore home. So um, it's hard to think of, of one memory, but I was on, but I've been really excited and interested in watching the the union campaigns that have been popping up at a lot of different arts institutions Mm -hmm. throughout the city. And I just saw that um, the Maryland Institute College of Art just won their union. Um, So that's just one recent uh, memory of celebration that they had about, um, about Baltimore, but just really excited about it being a place of grassroots movement and organizing and um yeah just amazing thought and imagination so well thank you see yeah. we're, we're done here so uh <laughs> i want to um thank you for coming on to the podcast and thank you, uh, you're welcome great 
And I want to um, encourage you to uh, and invite you to uh, share anything you think that we missed in this uh, this conversation and um, to telephone folks where to check out your work. Yeah. Yeah. So I put a lot of my work on Instagram. You can find me at Susan.j.dorsey. And I'm working on getting a website out there soon, which will be posted on that Instagram site. So, um, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for inviting me onto this podcast, Rob. And thank you again for all you do. I'm so inspired by all the amazing artists that you bring to us from many disciplines um, across Baltimore and Maryland. So it's great. Thank you so much. Um, so for uh, for the great, for the great, I think, I think you get a great here. Uh, for the great Susan Dorsey, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.